You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Making Waves Welcome to Making Waves, the Ship Rock Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media family and one of the fastest growing rock music podcasts in the world. We want to thank you so much for joining us and showing your support. So every time you can, please remember to review, rate, subscribe, and share our podcast. And let's get the word out. With that said, let's welcome tonight. This is a really interesting podcast. We were just before we went live here, we were talking about the uh, the idea of production in the live music space and the live event space. So uh, with that uh, said, I want to welcome Kyle Connors and Tim Cabral from Cruise Production. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, Cruise Production, guys, if you don't know, is basically, I guess I'll let them explain it better, but for Shiprock's purposes and Motorhead and Ship Pop, we've used them. They are basically the guys that put all the stages together, make sure everything sounds good and looks good and uh shine really well under the bright lights. So we want to thank them. And uh, with that said, we're going we're gonna to get to our discussion with them. And uh, Chad, what have you got for the gentleman to begin the process here? I want to ask one very specific question. What do you think in, uh, got you excited enough in audio, in the audio world, to then take all of your shit and your lives and put it on a cruise ships multiple times throughout the year. Uh, like, where did you go wrong? Like, what happened in your life where you're like, you said, fuck it, put it in a suitcase, let's go. How, uh, Kyle, want to start? No, I'm going to let okay. Tim start because he's, he's kind right, of the key to the whole thing. Well, I hate to turn your question around, but for me, it was actually backwards. I started with ships and then went into audio. Oh, man. That hurts yes. me. But feels good at the same time, you know? Yes, yeah, so that's how I got involved. Interesting. Mine was the opposite because I was doing audio and doing uh, production work. And then whenever Tim's business grew, uh, I kind of came in as the technical person to start. And then uh, then we got too many ships and then we kind of split off. And then we've been doing everything everywhere, all over the country and all over the world. So it's been quite a wild ride. So we're kind of opposite in how we got here. Yeah. How, how many we got ships here? are you doing right now? Like uh, on, a, on a year, in a year, a normal year, I should say. A normal year, what we'd say, Kyle, about between ten and fourteen is our is a good average. Yeah, we yeah. we had one year. I think it was two thousand seventeen. I think we had like twenty five. It was something ridiculous, and then now we're in the teens for sure. Yeah. So how how much of that year? I'm just doing quick math. I'm assuming that all the ships are at least three to five days long, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so three, five, seven, like- and eight usually. Okay, so you're talking like at least a fourth of the year, if not a half of the year. Yeah, and you, you got to factor in too, a lot of the cruises we do, we do it, you know, we refer to it as pre-cruise. So we sail the cruise prior as well. Sometimes we have programs that are back-to-back on the same ship. We just, you know, change around the theming of it all. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good three to four months solid out at sea. And its season usually starts... Um, early fall and goes all the way into late spring, early summer. So we do have kind of the, the summertime and the early fall to kind of reset, rest, and prepare for the next season. What's your favorite ship by cruise to do? Kyle, you go ahead and do that. Kyle's just an obvious one, so go ahead. <laughs> Are you talking favorite charter or favorite ship? Uh, favorite experience, uh, favorite, uh, I'm assuming that you're probably doing a lot of event based things as well. Yeah. I mean, mine has always been, uh, the motorboat one was my favorite one. I was, you know, that was, that was my thing. So I guess now ship would be that because it's, I'm a, I'm a Metallica Slayer kind of guy. 
that's kind of my thing. So for me, that was fantastic. And for two years in a row, we did the, the motorhead one. Um, <clears throat> ship rock fits me well too. It's just, just, it's, it's one of the real heavy metal ones that we do the hard rock ones that we do. Um, the other rock ones that we do are kind of more classic rock seventies. And that's great too. I get to see a lot of stuff that I grew up listening to on the radio all my life. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, so ship rock would be it for me now for the current setup. You know, Tim, you mentioned that you came actually, you were on prior doing ships prior to getting into the production side of things. And Kyle, you came from more of a, I guess, a studio setting. I was doing studio and live audio and then he brought me into, yeah. So let me ask you this. I mean, I was going to kind of do the comparison between doing land base, which I'm sure you guys already had your hand in too. But what are some of the, 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 there's so many major hurdles we all know from, from doing this on a ship. But what's the number one thing you guys always concern yourself with? When this, when like let's say pre-production, Tim, as you mentioned, starts, what's the number one concern you have? The the pre-production side of it, the the biggest concerns we have in, that's unique to any land-based event is um, the day, mostly the day of, the day of loading. Is all the paperwork correct? Are the are the trucks all there? Are the trucks all cleared to come in? Uh, has the crew been cleared? Um, and all of those things, a lot, everything leads up to that. That's where it kind of splits off from where land-based and ship-based productions are because we also now have the element of customs. You know, you take a tour from one U.S. city to the next, there's no issue with customs. You go over the Canadian border, there's an issue at the border. But here we deal with issues that could basically make or break an event and the cruise within a two-hour window. So all of our paperwork, all of our documentation, all of our clearance docs really have to be precise in order to get that clearance from the U.S. Customs to get us on board. So that's where our biggest worry always is. So more of an administrative than an actual, the actual physical act of, of building these stages and setting up everything up then, right? Right. Once you, it's kind of, once you have that, that clearance, then the, then the, the physical hard labor really starts. Like everybody knows, you know, Kyle and I, you know, just as much as anybody else, that hard labor starts the minute that first you know case hits the ship and then it's nonstop for four five seven days 14 days our record right now is we did 25 days straight on four different charters and that basically is a non-stop pace but working up to it it's mostly you know documentation and, and riders and, and standard production for the most part but once that first case hits that gangway it's it's full on the sexy elements of the business. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. One thing I want to ask you, and I think Chad can definitely attest to it, but we've both been doing this now long enough to see how you guys figure things out. But I, when I first ever came on the cruise, um, not so much the the char the half charter ones we had things figured out there, but when you guys did the full full charter for us, I remember looking at that pool going, "How in the fuck did they get the stage above that? How did they? How did you guys look at that and go? Yep, got the vision right here." Or did it just what you basically left with, hey, this is the only option we have. We have to make this work and we're going to have to basically take away this element that cruisers generally care about of the, the largest pool on the on the boat. But on the, obviously, Sherbrooke, they could care less if they're swimming in a <laughs> not swimming, whatever. But seriously, what was I, I'm always amazed. What was your first reaction when you guys first started doing this going, how are we going to navigate this goddamn pool here? Well, it's funny because the very first charters that um, that we worked on in the, in the early years, even before cruise production started, when I was working before with Carnival, where I first met Alan, a lot of the stages were already part of the ship's construction, so you didn't need to add to it. Once the this you know the full scale production like Ship Rocked and others, you needed that stage. We were really given a problem to solve. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, we need a, We have a bigger stage. We have a bigger band. We have one headliner that's coming on for the day will not perform, you know, unless the stage is X, Y, then that's what we have. So we're really faced with a challenge and we have a lot of great vendors that we work with that really step up to that. And so those are, you know, those are planned usually a year, sometimes two years in advance with with the math, getting the insurance coverage, getting the, you know, the ship to sign off on it, which is always a challenge. So this way here, a lot of that work is done. And once you're there, it's very hard to change something on site. But those big stages like you guys have, have taken years in the making to, to design and to get just right. I was wondering well, real quick before I let you get back to Chad, I was curious about that. And it's something we always think about is like when people here were doing an event, 
they don't realize that it's an eleventh month process to make that event happen in every way, say way, way, shape, or form for us. Now, I can imagine what you guys have to go through as far as doing all the production side of things because of the safety issues and OSHA and everything else. It's just so much different than everything in front of house. Yeah, no, for sure. And then you know, one of the biggest comparisons to a land-based event is the fact that. Once you put a road case somewhere on stage, you never have to worry about it. Here, we just can't leave things just out in the open. You know, as soon as you set sail at four o'clock, five o'clock, everything has to be locked down. You know, and also too, we're, we're not building necessarily a stage on a cruise ship. We're building a stage that's sometimes 10 stories above, you know, sea level. And then we're adding another three more stories high on top of that. And then you have a small window to build it and you have to build it exactly to spec or, you know, or the ship doesn't sail. So as you know, you know, we've we've had a very good record with this and knock on wood, we'll continue on, but that's where the challenges are really different between land-based and cruise ships. Things don't move on you at the, you know, BB&T Center here in Fort Lauderdale. When, when you start putting stuff into stories, uh, like one story, two, three story, it gets very daunting and that's actually <laughs> frightening to think about. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> so like with all that being said, I'm, I have to ask this because I, I think that like uh, any musician dude who's listening is probably going to ask, uh, think about this. Is is there any like absolute fucking horror story? Like, you know, like you, you don't get your rider filled, right? You know, like if you're, I'm just going to use um, Five Finger Death Punch, right? And when I'm saying you're sound and life's rider, like the stage is your stage. You're putting in everything in there that you think that you're going to need and what is powerful and as, as much production as possible. But like, you're not looking at the headliners, right? Rider, right? And like piecing everything together from there. Or are you? Um, we, we are to the sense that we want the show to go off as, you know, as what the guests expect to see and then some. The only real hard line is probably like pyrotechnics. Yeah. Um, some cruise lines allow them inside. Some cruise lines allow them outside. Uh, we've done it before. Uh, but that's probably that hard wall that's it's tough to get over. Everything else, I mean, Kyle, if I forget something, let me know. Everything from, you know, biodegradable streamer cannons, uh, cryo cannons, um, you know, full-scale, you know, uh, multi-head laser systems over the pool, um, multi-level lighting systems, spotlight, all of those things we can accommodate. But for the most part, it's if it's, it's requested, and also, too, if it's up to the promoter. You know, if they want to add the extra cost, additional cost, I mean, we face that every day is, yeah, we can do full-scale, you know, laser display, but it's going to be X amount of dollars. Well, then that answered that question. No lasers. There's so many other like other factors from it being a ship standpoint, such as sometimes we can't have certain lights going out over the sides of the ship because it looks like an SOS signal to another ship. So we have to pick the right lights in the right direction. <laughs> they can't just go wherever they want. So sometimes we got an LD out there from a band just, you know, and it's like, yo, you need to bring it down. It needs to come in. Not only that, but it could also be something as simple as certain foods we can't bring onto a ship and bring to another country. Sure. Mm-hmm. Poten- potentially so hummus. sometimes some of those things can't be you know, <laughs> so, like livestock kinds of things i can't bring meat onto a ship and give you whatever you you know we have to there are some binding things that the ship really uh restricts us with but then there's a lot of things that we can do that nobody else can do because we're out in the middle of the ocean and it's it's, it's a whole different experience yeah do you like now when you're jump yeah. there there you go What's uh, when you guys run into these acts, you know, they obviously they, they want their show, obviously, but are they also under the, well, they, they know that basically they have to cut back on some of the show because of the limitations of being on basically a flotilla. <laughs> we, <laughs> you know? We've actually been very fortunate because, you know, we've worked with, with a wide variety of artists. Um, you know, from A-list artists and, you know, in the, in the, the soul music and, and R&B and, and country and rock. And we usually go at it in such a way that we review the rider and very rarely do we have to say something that they're not able to do. You know, whether it's uh, LED walls or teleprompters or, you know, when it comes down to specialty backline equipment. Um, very rarely do we have to tell an artist you can't have this. It's so it's so it really works to our advantage because we never have that awkward conversations with with an artist that you can't have X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. 
really the only limitation sometimes is the physical side. You know, like we had the the Jacksons on um, two years ago, and they're just a full scale production, kind of like you know Casey and the Sunshine Band. It's 16, 18 members, so that's where it becomes an issue. But they know they're you know they're working on a ship, so mm-hmm. they do accommodate for that. But really, that's the only roadblock we hit with artists is those full scale performances that have just to take up so much physical space. You don't have to name any names, obviously, if you want to, great. But uh, uh, in in the effort to like understand like where does the buck kind of like, you know, if somebody come to you and said like, listen, this is it or we're not doing the ship. Have you ever had any of those like asshole situations where they just don't understand the dynamics and environment that they're going into and you simply have to uh- piss somebody off? No, I mean, without, without naming names, um, you know, we work with a lot of different, you know, clients, you know, like Alan. Alan, I've actually worked with one of the, the longest uh, folks I've worked with. And you don't really get the high demands, but what you get is the last minute, we got to have it. You know, they, they went to a hotel, they saw in the ballroom, they had this giant whatever, and, you know, they, they, they got to have it and they can't. You, you get those dramatic, um, you know, situations, you know, we had, we were in a situation without, you know, without naming names, we had to build an entire three-dimensional set piece in six days, uh, matching off a children's toy that was made in the eighties. Okay. So we literally had no time and we did it. We pulled it off. It, we were kind of both Kyle and I stepped way out of our comfort zone and, uh, you know, spray painted away, but Usually that's where the, we need to have it or the last minute spur of the moment, these, you know, kind of last ditch effort to make something incredible. But it's usually we get involved when there's a chance of a, we're not going to do it without this. We get involved well in advance and kind of smooth all that out before it gets to the point where, you know, like Alan could advertise the lineup. You know, we have all that, the bigger issues kind of straightened out already. Yeah. Can I ask something on the reverse of what Chaz said? Is there any times when you run to a band who's usually known for a production type of situation that says, you know, we're going to strip it down. We're just going to make this about the music. And that's okay. We can just use a back line, some lights, maybe some haze. We're good with that. Ever run into that? <laughs> I got it. Big, big zero. Sorry. No, no, sorry. Yeah. Hey, man, I was just thinking about, hey, we started this band in the fucking garage. We can do that again. No, I mean, there's there's some people that surprise you, right? I mean, they surprise uh-huh. you with um, what what your expectation is and how their level of like, yeah, whatever you guys have is fine. You know, and you sometimes that is so off balance between the artist and what they want. Right, right. And then on the reverse side of that, you have, don't worry, we're really easy to work with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and you know right away, that's not going to be the case. Nobody that is a guaranteed... That. Here we go. You're not going to be easy to work with. Most of these times, too, it seems like it's not not what I would not baby acts or something of that nature on a, on a true opening act that a lot of people haven't heard of. It's kind of like those bands that are in the middle, not necessarily the headliner. Those are often the ones who are <clears throat> needy, let's say, or won't play without X, Y, Z. I've I haven't had any issues with headliners on on like ship rock and stuff like that. It's not it 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 really hasn't been that way. I often find that it's the ones that are a little bit newer that are more of a pain than the ones right. that have been around and had and had to play in big and small places all their lives. And they're just they can play anywhere, you know. I also think that there's something to be said. Like I'm the headliner, and to be honest with you, this is like uh, this is cake. A cakewalk for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and, and oh, the middle guys are like, we got something to prove, and we want these people to leave this ship. You know, like there's, a, it's a different vibe, and even in in that even in that realm, it's like I think they forget. You know, like a band forgets, like this is a fucking vacation, and like your music is gonna do it. And it, it doesn't matter if you have a laser light show mm-hmm. on a boat. No one's gonna leave that boat like they would in a physical, like on the land venue, and be like. I'm going yeah. to that next laser light show or whatever it is. You know, they're going yeah. to that boat, whether you're there or not. You know, Chad, you're exactly right. They're not worrying about your lasers or your blown up demons or werewolves that you have on stage. I mean, like they worry about your songs and whether you were nice to them at meet and greet. That's all they want to go away with. Yep. So if yep. you do that, you're a winner. That's as, that's as simple as that. I mean, that's why we love bands like seven Dust. plug in and go, you know, <laughs> yeah. they want a few things here and there, but plug in and go. Then then the nicest guys in the world. That's why they always come back because they're always walking around the ship. And t- talking yeah, to that's people. what they want. But we we do understand those bands that 
need their thing. And that's part of who they are. That's part of the charm of them being a pain in the ass sometimes too. Like, you know, you're a pain in the ass, but we love you. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got one more selfish question and then I'm going to uh, let, let you guys get into the nit and gritty. Is there ever been like, uh, and obviously I've done, not this will be my. Is Chad, has Chad ever been problematic? Is Wilson? Yeah. Let me ask you a serious. I've been waiting all year to ask you. Um, but I was told but, to say no. Okay, thank right. You. Thank you. That's what my somebody say. with a gun right here that you yeah. can't Jeff see. Chad starts yeah. talking about himself. Divert. Uh, so my my actual question would be, and I I've never on those stages ever felt unsafe. Like there could be an acid, an incident or whatever. But you're talking about a bunch of drunk people, very tight, close places. You know, they're all over the stage. And on top of that, you have the environment against you. Have you ever had a, like a, wow, holy shit, that was an almost a mishap or a mishap. Anything crazy happened out there in the production world that like nobody really knows about? Mm. Nope, nothing. <laughs> Never anything. <laughs> I can't think of one, honestly. Yeah, I knew. It Let me read my real, my legal yeah. disclaimer. Give yeah. me one minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? So I mean, it's great. Like you even had like a, a you know, like a, a you know, a rest in peace, a Radiohead stage incident. No, I th- maybe maybe more of like on the loading and unloading process and things that we can't totally control. There's a lot of craning. There's a lot of forklifts. There's a lot of stuff like that. A lot of a lot of ways for people to get injured. Uh, but we have never had a mishap in the sense of like a fallen stage or somebody fell off of X or Y. I, I don't, I've never run into that. It's more of that just, you know, in, in Miami and an old dock, it's, it's, there's a lot of rusty things and the forklifts are going fast. Accidents happen. I've seen people get hurt, not our guys, but I've seen it, you know? So that's probably the closest to like uh, a real mishap, if you want to call it that, that I've seen, but it's kind of more of a could happen to anybody situation. If you're, if you're on the dock side of a, of, of the loading dock of a, the cargo part of a ship, you know? You know, I, I, I'm always impressed just as someone who's viewing some of the stuff that goes on while we have inclement weather and you guys are able to take a deck show and scoot it into the theater pretty quick. The turnaround is, is fantastic. And I know that's a scheduling thing and it just pushes everything. But still, I'm always just amazed that it's able to work in that manner. So basically, it almost felt like the band was going to be playing here anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we. That's, that's the one situation we did have once where we could see it coming was we were sailing back on a, one of our um, charters coming back and we knew the weather was going to be bad. The ship was trying to avoid it. And the message came down to say, no, we can't. And so finally, once the decision was made, we cleared the deck, you know, powered everything down and everything. But within a half hour, there was probably about six inches of water on the deck and it was rocking all over the place and would have been a dangerous situation. But those open deck bad situations we can usually take care of right away because we get notified from the bridge, you know, well before we get bad weather. So we don't really have that many incidents on board, but if we didn't have those kind of fail safes in place, we would the last minute, you know, torrential rain and people, you know, running around and those kind of issues. There's also some other things. I mean, we're in constant, you know, uh, contact via radio and other things with ship staff and captains, so whenever those types of situations arise, we can react as best we can. Usually after the first day, once they kind of see really what we've got going on, then they they get a little more involved and they get excited to be a part of the, the whole experience. I mean, all the way down to like on motorboats, 2015, we were being followed by a hurricane and we knew that it was going to be bad, but Motorhead was playing that last night and the captain was actually able to level the ship in a certain way to where it was actually more of a flat. Uh, we were a little bouncy. The, the ocean was angry at us. And Lemmy was an older guy, you know, and the stage was really rocking. And for, I don't know what the captain did that day, but I said, whatever you can do, can you keep us level for an hour and a half? And he's like, well, I'll do my best, you know, and hung up the phone. And then everything worked out the way it was. So, I mean, there's just some things that we can't control, but sometimes captains can and ship staff can really help us out. They put down the training wheels in the back. <laughs> Something hey, came out of the sides. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> hey, real guys, quick, real guys, uh, guys, I can't even speak right now. I'm going to go to a commercial break here. So bear with me and then we'll get back to us. And about that time, we'll be going live to Facebook. So anyway, hey, folks, at this time, we would like to remind you that not only are you listening to a kick-ass podcast right now, but we also produce an amazing rock music themed cruise called Ship Rocked. We're actually speaking with two of the gentlemen that make it happen right here, right now. Anyway, we'll be sailing uh, in January 2022 to Costa Maya and Cozumel on what will be our 12th voyage. So please sail away with us in the Lamb of God, I Prevail, Ashes to New, 
Steel Panther, and so, so many more. Uh, you can get Cabin Still at uh, littleshiprock.com. Go there. If you go, can't find one for yourself, then look up our cabin mates, and maybe you can you can hook up with people who already have a cabin or looking for another body in there. So uh, check that out, shiprock.com. With that said, we'll go back to our interview here, which my question is going to be for everyone. Well, not before, Chad. Not Chad. For you guys, oh, okay, we're live. I've got to go because it's 8.30. I just want to say thank you for the time and the questions, uh, but I will see you guys in a little bit. Bye, Chad. See you, buddy. All right, Chad. Good to see you. Okay, bye. All right, we'll say goodbye to Chad. We'll say hello to everyone there on Facebook Live. So thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we're here with, uh, well, we're here from Tim and Kyle from Cruise Production Guys. You've probably seen them and or their staff around, uh, most noticeably Jesse. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll... <laughs> You'll uh, you'll uh, appreciate these guys. These are the ones that kind of make everything happen. The stages, sounds, lights, everything you guys do, whether we're doing yoga in the morning or we're doing uh, breakfast music or whatever's happening, these guys are making sure it happens. And especially uh, those beat shows that you guys enjoy. So uh, with that said, I've got to ask you guys separately. We talked about what you were doing prior to doing cruise production. What was the first thing as a sh what first concert or show you went to where pr the production of the show was more important than when you went to go see? For me, myself personally, I think it was around the time I went and saw Pink Floyd and I was more intrigued by the lighting and everything else than I was so much the music. Uh, was there a moment in your life, your young lives, when that was apparent and you went, oh, this might be what I might do in my life? Okay, Kyle. I mean, <laughs> I... I wanted to work in music studios and I wanted to make records and that's how I kind of got into this business. And then kind of the short version of it is, is that there's not very many studios and there's a lot of people that want to work in them. So I started working in live sound and then uh, I, I ended up uh, doing that. And, and as time went on and more shows and bigger shows, I fell in love with it enough that I wanted to keep doing it. And that's how I ended up meeting Tim uh, it, it is, we were in the same kind of in the same field and, and uh, we also went to the same uh, college and I got linked into this, but it was really kind of, I didn't really intend on it at first, but I went to concerts all my life when I was a kid, but I really initially wanted to make records. But the second that I started working in live sound is whenever I just kept down that path. So Tim, did you have a transcendent moment or are you just kind of one of those things you decided you kind of segued into? No, it, like I said before, my, my world started, you know, working on the cruise ships and the entertainment department for cruise ships. I was my, my ultimate goal early on throughout high school and college was to work in radio, you know, and be that DJ on the radio. And parents took me on a cruise just before I went off to college and I fell in love with it. And shortly after that, I started working uh, on them full time. And as I started working for Carnival, which, you know, you guys sell all the time, I worked my way up. And as I was working my way up to the corporate level, the music charter business was starting. Mm -hmm. So we kind of collided together at the same time. And that's how my, my involvement and my kind of love of production was really love of production and cruising all mixed in one. Did you guys, when this, this, this industry, the cruise and music festival kind of thing joined up, what, over a decade ago, were you guys, are you guys surprised at its growth or did you guys, when you first saw it, you went, yeah, this is something that has sustainable. Well, it's interesting because, realistically, it actually started even further back, probably closer to 20, maybe 22 years ago. Okay. To give you an idea of my longevity, I've been cruising now for 31 years. And so I've watched it grow. And it really started, interesting enough, as a corporate level. You know, banks and uh, manufacturing companies, automobile companies, they were using the cruise ships and leasing them out as an incentive. And then once that business started developing, more and more people realized that, hey, we can lease a cruise ship. Then the opportunity to create these style events really opened up because before you weren't, you didn't have that, you know, capability to rent a ship for three days, four days, seven days, whatever it might be. So once those opportunities for, you know, basically renting out your own cruise ship for the duration, that's when that whole music and cruising came really together. Got you. Got you. Um, real quick, back to your idea of being a, a you do have a voice for radio. The face, um, not so much, but the voice. No, yes. I wasn't even a guy was going <laughs> to basically follow up. Yes, you're an attractive man, but I always thought that your voices would be great on radio, especially at drive time. So anyway, there's always that in your back pocket, Tim, if you need. Yes. That. Yep. 
if you finally go, you know what? I'm tired of looking at this fucking water. I think go inside the studio. <laughs> after, after, the, after 19 months of not seeing it, I'm going back no matter That's what. Right. That's very true. Very true. Um, guys, remember while you're watching this, please post any questions you have for these two gentlemen. I'm sure you're very intrigued by what they do. Um, it's part of your daily life while you're on Ship Rocks. Uh, and just so you guys know what these guys go through, uh, while you're sleeping, they're rigging stuff up. They're setting things up. When you're waking, they're doing the same thing. And when you haven't even been on the cruise yet, they're there for a week doing pre-production for things like Ship Rock and Ship Hop, which we've done before, and obviously Motorboat, which has been uh, was part of our conversation in the first half an hour. And also, guys, check that out this coming Monday, starting at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern. You can check us out at the Ask For YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast. You can check out the first 30 minutes and hear these guys talk about production and their lives leading up to what they do now. So with that said... Is there a, is there a show, is there a moment on Shiprock proper that you guys will, is basically the one that's going to sit out for you? Whether it's a show, something happened, a meeting, chance meeting you have, something interesting with production, is there anything that is, is basically stuck out in your mind? Like that's my number one memory. For, for me, um, my biggest moment is knowing Alan as, as long as I have seeing him create build and sail on that very first one. For me, that was the big aha moment to see him work so hard to get to this point where he could create such an incredible experience and knowing him and watching him do that. That was the big, for me, the big ship rocked aha moment. Yeah, definitely. I think that. um, for us, we've moved from a couple of different lines now with with you guys from Norwegian and, and to Carnival. And, and we've basically been able to, Alan's vision is to keep a certain expectation and a certain level of quality with everything. And when we've been moving around and doing different ships, we have to build things differently. Everything is different. Everything is different from when it leaves the truck and goes near the ship all the way up to whenever it gets set up and then we're doing a show. And I, I think that just we've achieved a lot together uh, no matter where we've been. And I, and it's one of the strongest uh, bonds that we have with any of our, with any of our uh, charters that we do. It's, it's really a unique experience. And I, I, I think this is going to be my seventh one. And each year it's equally, if not better than the previous. And it's always been pretty, something that's been pretty amazing to me. Yeah. To reiterate, Tim, what you're saying is funny being on those first two cruises when it was a half ship. Uh, we were just kind of sharing the ship with other folks, half charter, always amusing to watch the reaction of others that weren't part of it and didn't know what to expect. I'm sure they didn't, you know, I'm sure when, uh, you know, Bert and Rhonda booked their cruise, they didn't realize they were going to be on, on board with us chaos that was going on. But it, you're right. When that first full charter ship hit and that realization, that visualization became a realization, that was a staggering moment. Uh, I think they kind of go, wow, the whole fucking ship. It's just an amazing situation. Yeah. I think that first half ship charter, the, the best way to come off that was, I think it was like a thousand ship rockers came on, 1,200 left. That's right, because they joined, they bought in, they right? Joined. They joined, it was 200 <laughs> after, yeah. Yeah, you know, the thing is, that's always so funny is when you're like, well, you can get some of this entertainment for free just because we have to share this deck, but if you really want to get to the good stuff, you've got to, you've got to parlay up here and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. bring you in. <laughs> Guys, remember, if you have any questions for these two, please post them in the thread below, and we will definitely get to those. Um, now, obviously, we're looking at a brand new world. Um, I hate to use that, even that term, but obviously with, with, with the, the, the protocols that are going to go into play here, does that change the way you guys go about things other than the necessary, you know, wearing a mask and all that such? How does that, how does that play into what you do now? Um, we, we've actually been working very closely with the cruise lines since it started um, because we work across every major cruise line with a Royal Celebrity, Carnival, Holland, Princess. We work with them all in, in some, some, some way. So we've been fortunate enough to keep in contact with the entire process. Sometimes the processes we've actually helped put input into as far as where it comes to the pandemic and music charters. Um, it is challenging and we don't know how challenging it is yet. You know, I've cruised, Kyle's been at the port. We've both interacted with the systems, both dockside and, and sailing. 
but we don't fully know the impact of what it's going to be once we get there. But all of that impact is really leading up until that sail away. After sail away, the goal is to set sail and leave it behind. So all of our safety protocols and things like that, we actually go another level more with our safety protocols that we have in place just to make sure that we all have the same experience. The guests have an incredible experience. The artists are safe. You know, guests are safe. We're safe. But we really want to draw that line when those ropes are let go and the ship sails. We leave it, literally leave it behind in the dock and everything else leads up to that point and then it stops. Okay. Now, one of the joys of watching you guys operate is when you have to load up a tender and take it off the ship to get to a remote island in order to set up for a show. (laughs) What gods do you pray to in the morning before you have to do that? (laughs) Any and all of them. Any and all of them. uh, I think our, our best story is... There was a uh, there was five guys that were in a, a band and they they come from the same city that your hat's from, and you know five guys <laughs> gotcha the gotcha and gotcha. We literally <laughs> had all the equipment loaded onto a tender, going to Half Moon Key, and we had all of the all their equipment, all of our equipment, and everything, and. Halfway, it's only a you know three quarter mile sail from the you know from the ship to the the half moon. The gentleman from the bridge came down, opened the hatch, jumped in, came out soaking wet, yelled to the captain, and the story we were told is the shaft on the tender boat came out. Water was coming in, so there was only the production team. There was some housekeeping staff, and there was all of the equipment. So we radioed in to another tender. They came up next to us and nobody would make the decision on how to get the equipment from one side to the other. And as as sure as I'm standing here, we took an eight foot aluminum banquet table between the two tenders and we hauled every bit of equipment from one tender to the other. Is this an open water? Barely made it back to half moon and beached itself. Yeah, this is this is between the boat, between the carnival ship and the half moon landing. Where the Folks, if you don't hits. think they earn their pay, uh, yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> well, obviously, one of the fun things we always do have fun about is now become part of lore and it had nothing to do with cruise production. But we always have a laugh about what happened on the dock when uh, when the dock folks there, I believe in Miami, took uh, Andrew WK's case and <laughs> yeah. it went. It's now sitting at the bottom of the Atlantic. <laughs> oh, we yep, recovered Steve. all of that. Do, actually. do you guys have the story for that? Because quite honestly, yeah. I always get, I was always so much, it's like, you know, it's like a game of phone book. By the time it gets to you, you're like, what? I, I was the first responder on that mission. <laughs> let me tell you. And uh, this, when I got called by Tim that something catastrophic had happened and I needed to go see what it was downstairs, I'm standing on the dock plate of the ship, which is about six feet above the ground. And I look down and there's a luggage cage, which was not used by us. It was used by the stevedores and the porters who pick up people's luggage outside, which was not what you, we recommend you doing, but you can do. Well, they did that, which is fine. But that cage ended up getting tapped by a forklift. And these cages are on wheels. And the Port of Miami is mostly good. But there's some parts where, where there is no longer a edge to where the water is, where the ship is. So you could... <laughs> Roll right How is there in. no barrier? How is yeah. there no in there's parts where it's been broken over the years or whatnot. So sure, this sure. made its Allegedly. way in there. Allegedly. Allegedly. So this yeah. forklift driver, at least smart enough as he is, real heard it happen and he jumped and tied it with a strap to his forklift. So it whenever I had gotten there and looked down, the thing was totally submerged in the water, but I could see it. It was maybe one foot totally under the water. And if it would have gone from there, it would have been gone forever. So we got the items up. We ended up forklifting it out, got the items up, but you're talking about guitars, luggage, things that shouldn't be in water, seawater. Whenever we opened them up, uh, the batteries had already busted and the pickups were already rusting. Mm-hmm. So we got them upstairs. Thankfully we had, a, we had, you know, 
I don't know, 75 other guitars that we, that our company rents and what from one of our best vendors, but, and they had to kind of deal with that because those guitars didn't work very good anymore, but they were clean as hell. I can tell you, they looked brand new when they came out of that water. Uh, we sat them out in the sun, did whatever we could, but I don't think that they ever played them again, but they lost. Regardless, you know. regardless of all the equipment, I think the hardest thing that you guys probably have locating was white jeans. White jeans, man. We drove all over town looking for, you know, uh, certain medications, replacement clothes, things of that nature. Because I think that one of the bags did go. And, and how much time did you have in order to secure all these things? What's that? I'm sorry. How much time did you have to secure all these things? Oh well, I mean, we this happened at about 10 a.m. and then we sail at 4:30. <laughs> so, Regardless. Regardless of so, white jeans and guitars, we sail yeah, at 4.30. I needed to be back by 4.30, no matter what. Hey, uh, I got a real quick question from a, well, not really a ship rocker, but an Astor employee for you, Kyle. Peggy wants to know what your thoughts are on pigeons. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you want to give I that mean, some context? I, I'm not sure that I do. I, I, I had, a, I was given a pigeon as a, uh, as a gift over last week on our ship visit, a brand new pigeon just for me. Um, Real? Real pigeon? And, and in the words of Al, uh, uh, pigeons don't, <laughs> oh my God, I can't even say it. I, uh, there's a video out there somewhere that, uh, I'm sure that will surface now that this conversation has happened about me being given a surprise pigeon. Okay, so it's, it's there's not any kind of real story to they, they, I showed up to the party to, for dinner, and they had been there most of the day, and there were pigeons all around. And they ended up somehow boxing up this pigeon and said, "Hey, Kyle, we got you a gift," and slid it to me. And I opened it up, and a pigeon flew out of it. <laughs> all right, listen, let's let's gonna let's go back to your memory banks real quick. Jarna wants to know, and I wasn't aware of this. Why did the lights go out at the Nonpoint Theater show? I don't know what what year that was. Do you recall? I don't recall that during? incident. Tim? Um, do we do we remember what year that was? No. Hey, Jarna, if you want to, you want to post what year that was, because Nonpoint's been a guest on our book several times. So let's, yeah. let's narrow that in so we, these guys can get to it. Chance, chances are, knowing that the ship it was on, it was probably somebody down in the engine room unplugging one thing and plugging in something else. Somebody six decks below us and has no idea there's a concert going on and just they switch it and then go, Oh, I didn't wasn't supposed to do that. It's like, the, it's like this, it's like the city guy down the steward. He unplugs the wrong exactly thing. What it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yep. Or, like, yeah. why is this cable running down the hallway? They don't need this. Shut it off, disconnect it and put it away. Yeah. Jarna says 2018. So Jarna, that's probably what it was. It was probably just someone hit the wrong switch. It's yep. nothing, nothing funner than that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you guys, this is a walk the plank question. We'll get to one of those for you. And I always like this question. Um, if you didn't have to consider money, what would you do with your life? Let's do each. Kyle, what would you do with your life if you didn't have to consider money? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I kind of, I would definitely still do something with music. I wanted to be in a band whenever I was young. And then I ended up doing this because that was the next smart, best thing for Smart me. man. It's just yeah. a smart man you are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Tim, obviously we know that you're, you had hopes to be DJ, which are still there because you know what, there's no age requirement for that role, but what would you do if money was not an object? What would you do with your life? I honestly can say without a doubt, exactly what I'm doing now. God, I love that. You know what? I, I love that idea. It gives me every opportunity to do everything I want in you know, my personal life, my professional life. I get to work and meet people I never thought I would ever work or meet you know, with, and not sure I would even change a thing. You know, that's such a great answer too, because a lot of times we all do, we ask ourselves, you know, cause usually at some point in your life, you're like, I'm doing what I like to be doing. And if I had $5 million rolled to my front door, I'd probably just keep doing what I'm doing, but with a little bit more, you know, <laughs> swagger. I'd have a bigger warehouse and some more gear. That's there about it. That's I'd have some more shit in my garage. Um, right, yeah. Since you guys work in a business that involves travel, is there a favorite destination you guys have personally, just from your own personal, like this is beautiful. I've had my best times here, or you can tie it into like a great performance. Hmm. I think, I, I don't know. I think I know what Tim's is, but I'm going to let him say it. Well, mine, mine is easy because the very first ship I went on and my very first port of call 
has actually been my favorite port all these years. And it's Cozumel, Mexico. And as, as mainstream as it has come and how many stops and you know, cruise ships go and the, the growth over all those years, I still have you know, friendships with people I met all those years ago who still live and work in, in Cozumel. So for me, just the, the overall quality of life and relationship would be, for me, Cozumel. You know, that's not a bad answer because quite honestly, there's nothing funner than getting off the ship, renting a dune buggy and just circling the island. It's a <laughs> lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. You can get into it some is. trouble, but it is a lot yep. of fun. You find those remote beaches. So yeah, I, I'm with you there. That's a great yeah. port. Um, Kyle, how about you, buddy? I mean, I think that I, I really like uh, St. Thomas when you first come in and you're surrounded. It looks like you're getting off on Jurassic Park's island. You know what I mean? I think that's always sure. a great. You're surrounded by these hillsides. I always like that aesthetic and that visual, but my favorite would also be Cozumel because of the sim- similar things that Tim said. I mean, it's, it's always been a place where we felt kind of almost like another home for us. And it's, and it's mm-hmm. nice to have that whenever you've been working your ass off for four straight days for, you know, 20 hour days. And then here's the day that maybe I can make a couple hours to go out and, you know, go see the people that we've met there. And there's always some, it's just such a great place. And it's so small. We can go from one end to the other in minutes. So it's just, it's a perfect little getaway for moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny. You mentioned the whole St. Thomas. That's one of those brochure pictures they use for the ship, it you is. know, for, it for, is. for yeah. cruise liners, like pull into lovely. Cause the water is beautiful. St. Croix, John's, it doesn't all matter. Um, so you guys obviously have ship rock coming up. Do you guys have anything prior to ship rock as far as, Going name, but you can obviously name any cruises you're going. We're not, we're not party to it. We want to hear about everything you guys are doing. Yeah, we actually have um, three cruises uh, leading up to Shiprock. Um, and um, so, for instance, there's this, you know, sometimes it does happen uh, where we're double stacked, mm-hmm. which is, you know, good for the overall company and business. So, for instance, while Kyle is with you in Shiprock, I'll be in another cruise. Um, simultaneously, just literally passing each other on the ocean. Yeah, so, that's right. We haven't seen you on Shiprock in a few years. I'm always, you know. Yeah, and it's and it's well, trust me. It, and Kyle knows it's one of my favorites too. If I could go, I would go. Sure, uh, absolutely. But it, it usually lands on a, another opportunity for us. And with with our you know with our limited season, we really have to kind of work on every one we possibly can. Um, so yeah, so we do have three leading up to it, Shiprocked, and then, um, we have, uh, four, actually five now after Shiprocked. So we've, uh, we've been very fortunate that all of the folks that we work with have been able to bounce back in the industry so quickly. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Let me ask you. So when you guys getting these things where there's conflicting dates and you go, I really want to work that one, but they've been where you ever get in a coin toss situation, best two or three gets it. He definitely, he definitely knows that I like the, the heavy more than he does. So I think that I kind of got pushed that way, even if I didn't want to in the beginning, but, I, but I'm okay, happy so with let me, <laughs> So with that said, let me ask Tim, I'm going to go back to your DJ thing, dude. If you were to host a show, you have your own program, Nile or whatever it might be. Uh, what style of music and what kind of station would it be? Oh, 80s arena rock. Very easy. Really? Oh, yeah. He's very Boston. Very, very journey for sure. And it's, and it's interesting because well, earlier, the, Boston, the Boston album back there was a giveaway. But yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Behind him. Yeah. Signed. You mean the autographed one you mean by Tom himself? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because earlier um, Chad had asked, you know, what's the favorite? You know, what's your favorite cruise? And Mine is, my answer always is very straightforward. Mine hasn't happened yet. We've done some events with bands. We've done some, you know, we've done production with Boston and Journey and and others like that, but they've never come together as one. And obviously the budget would be, you know, astronomical. (laughs) But that's always been my go-to is my favorite one really hasn't happened yet. Well, you know, uh, we're always on lookout for new ideas. So why don't you just kind of elbow Alan into maybe a nice 80s rock cruise? Um, <laughs> but not just your typical, like the one-offs. We want the ones that have some stuff. Well, it's actually, it's actually all here. I was going to mention it while I can. I just have a few uh, bands. <laughs> <laughs> that would be actually amazing. And I can totally be on board. That's kind of my age range too, the 70s, 80s. Yeah. But uh, I do I do like the lineup that we have for this year. It's It's a little bit, it's, really our most diverse our heaviest at some yeah. points and then obviously our most diverse um so that should shake things up a bit but listen guys i've had you for almost an hour here 
if there's anything you guys would like to tell us about before we say uh, Riva Dirty, please, by all means, uh, other than the cruise you got working on. Um, obviously, Kyle, I'm so sorry what happened last week to the Yankees. I wasn't um, going to wear my hat. And then you made some comments today on social media. And I said, never mind. I'm not going to. Well, I knew you, you knew I was going to wear mine just to taunt and, you. And you should. To. You won. Actually, man. you know what? I'm funny because I'm leaving this weekend to go to Boston and they're playing the first two in Houston. And then I'm staying an extra day so we can uh, go to the Monday night game in Boston. Great. My that's perfect. So, yeah. Whether we live, win or lose, I don't care. I just want that experience. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. It's so, Kyle and I get along on every possible platform. Except we know not to pick on Yankees or Red Sox. <laughs> it's very. Are touchy. you a Red Sox guy? Are you a Red Sox am, guy, Tim? I am, I am born and raised Red Sox fan. Oh my God! Beautiful man. Well, there you go. I feel like there's a two-on-one switch. It is right now. It is right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, guys, thank you so much, Tim and uh, Kyle from Cruise Production. Thank you so much for giving us your time, and it's certainly an insight into things that a lot of people, including myself, um weren't aware of and, and and give me a better understanding of how things work out. And obviously now that I know I will definitely pick your brain when I see you, um, Tim, I don't know when next time I see you is buddy, but, uh, always safe travels to yourself, Kyle. I will see you, uh, actually really soon. Now that you guys, yeah. well, obviously we're going to do guys, if you're paying attention to this next week, next Thursday, we're going to have uh, a live stream about how the pre, uh, the production crews went that, uh, Kyle and all the guys from asked for and the girls from asked for went on last week. We'll get the skinny on the ports how the ship was and probably a little farther along and what uh, carnival is going to be expecting from us as, uh, as cruisers. So anyway, gentlemen, thank you so much. Um, guys, you've been paying attention Thanks, to this sir. as you as thank hopefully you. every week, please check out, uh, uh, check us out Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern when this episode will drop and we couldn't make any of this happen without a few folks. So let's just name them. Uh, Chad, unfortunately had to leave. He had a prior engagement. So thank you, Chad, as always for the first half now and for everything you do for us. Uh, and uh, we have our show producer, Alan Koenig. Even in the hell, I get no respect. Our show engineer, Jennifer Zito. Our show coordinator, Heather Smith. And of course, the captain, Alan Koenig, which none of this would happen without that gentleman in his uh, vision of what this was to be. So thank you. And thank you, Free Trip Rockers, for joining us tonight. And you guys have a great rest of the week. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.